For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, in order that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, in order that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, in order that you may be filled up of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, help us to have ears to hear. Father, you know that I've been praying for us that we would know this, that we would experience this, that 320 would be that passion that would be in your people who are called by your name. Father, I pray for this message. I pray that uh, we who have ears to hear will hear. Our eyes will be opened and revealing the depth and the magnitude of this text. And we would be overwhelmed with just a privilege to absorb it. To you, my King, my Lord. Amen. I shared with you a few years ago that the letter to the church in Ephesus was the warp and woof of Christianity. And that is the things that knit it all together that hold it as a soul complete fabric. And brothers and sisters, you guys are eyeball deep in this thing right now. I'm looking at a section. It's a prayer. But I'm looking at this section that is the fullness of God to the believer. And we're in verses 14 to 16 right now on the Spirit's power. What is He doing? I shared with you last week the inner man in contrast to the outer man. The lost has absolutely no ability to take care or control or restrain the inner man. Can't do it. If you don't believe me, why do we have to put a sign at a school zone that says 20 miles an hour? I mean, common sense would say, them little darlings are out there, <laughs> and they are very predictable. So let's do 60. But do you see what I mean? But if you look at it, we have laws and regulations and rules, and it's all because of the lost. The lost don't have any ability whatsoever to control the inner man. All right. Now then, the saved. One of the things that I have seen in my life is that the saved do have that ability, 
but for some reason they seldom use it. They have good theology, they have good morals, they have principles, but they have, to use the phrase in your outline, they fail to start their engines. They just have this stuff. It's like the message I shared with you that I saw Adrian Rogers, and they're flabby. They sit and absorb. Then they get up and they walk out, and that is the extent of it. The more we come to Christ, the closer we come to God, the more we are strengthened in the inner man. The less I am concerned about the declining of the outer man. I seen somebody this weekend that I hadn't seen in uh, probably ten years about that, and uh, all I could think about what he noticed about me is that I had a, a goatee. I didn't. I didn't have a full beard. And he said, "When did you do that?" And I was like, a "Long time ago." And uh, I didn't say anything about him, but I did note that that was a declining man. Time had not been quite as gracious to him. Now, I didn't tell him that, but you you see it. I remember looking at some pictures that were on the website, and I kept thinking, who is that? And then it dawned on me, it was me. And I was like, well, I don't really look like that anymore. What? What happened? <laughs> so, you guys, you guys are doing that. Whatever you change the pictures around, photoshopping it. Listen, if you are getting old, and you are concerned about it, if you are fearful about it, if you are, if it bothers you that you are getting old, I would say that your inner man is not ascending in proportion to the declining of your outer man. As the, I, I, I've, I've shared this before with you. I had a, a dear friend, some of you will remember him, Henry Puyntek. He was a survivor of Bataan. And uh, that boy there now had health problems. He had had uh, radical prostate surgery because of the malnutrition that he had in the Japanese prison camp. He had uh, all kinds of bone density problems, trouble walking, and all the rest of it. And I remember when his son said he was going to move him out of the, the house that they lived in, that he lived in, and put him in the VA nursing home. And I'd go up and see him, you know, once or twice a week. And I remember going up there one week, and he was in a wheelchair then, and he couldn't, he wasn't strong enough to, to get himself around, so he had to have people get him. And I remember him telling me, he says, I, I need you to do me a favor. And I said, well, what is that? He says, can you bring me up some materials so I can teach some Bible studies to these veterans? And I think he was 86 then, and I brought him up some stuff. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure, Henry, you got it. Okay, and I thought that was fascinating. Because as his body was in a serious case of decline, 
he was still worrying about the inner man. The inner man. I shared this with you last week, and I'll pick it up again. Out of Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is dealing with all of the suffering that he had been going through. Uh, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. See, Paul understood that his inner man was perishing. Now, you got to also understand that Paul was very aware that at any given moment, someone would take his life. So he understood this. He understood also what you and I would call the aging process. But he also understood that the inner man is regenerated. The inner man is increasing. The inner man is growing richer. The inner man is growing deeper. The inner man is growing stronger. And the inner man is doing all of this day by day. And in our text here in Ephesians, that's what Paul is after. Okay? And I'm going to ask you some questions because I get, I get confused sometimes. If this is true of the Apostle Paul, that his inner man was renewed, his inner man was regenerated, it was refreshed day by day, every day. This is true of the Apostle Paul. Is it true of us? See, it's it's kind of simple. But I think we we are bound and determined to make things more complicated. The renewal of the inner man is dependent on the Holy Spirit. That is starting your engine. His work... Now, now get a hold of this because this may be your warp and woof. His work is absolutely dependent on our yieldedness. It isn't a matter how much you've memorized. It isn't a matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. See, we are told in Scripture, do not quench the Spirit. You know what that implies? We have the ability... We're also told, do not grieve the Spirit. And the implication of that? We can grieve the Spirit. Now listen. If you do that, if you grieve the Spirit, if you quench the Spirit, if you stop in your yieldedness, do you realize that you cut off all resources? Now listen. You don't lose your salvation, but you do become useless. You have no purpose. You are, as Adrian Rogers said, a flabby Christian. You sit there and take up space. It's kind of like my right eye right now. It is just taking up space. 
Alright? It is... <laughs> I don't know if it's not yielded, or <laughs> I think it's just mad at me. Alright? But if I can quench the Spirit and grieve the Spirit, when I do that, I am so successful that I have completely cut off my resources. The flow of that refreshment is gone. So let me ask you a question. What do you suppose happens to the inner man? I remember reading, I touched on it yesterday, about Chuck Colson's conversion. And he got saved and he realized that, wow, man, I am now a child of God. And he says it wasn't very much longer after that he hit a place of excruciating spiritual dryness. Because there was that enthusiasm that his sin had been exposed and he had come to Christ and he was now a child of the king. But very shortly thereafter, within a year, he had this what he called spiritual dryness. So he was talking to a friend and he says, how can I be saved and be so dry? The enthusiasm isn't there. I, there's, as he said, it's almost like a deadness. And he says, well, I've got a video series I want you to watch. And I said, see if this will help you. He said, okay, what's the video series? What's the holiness of God? Okay, okay, okay. Who's doing it? He says, a guy named R.C. Sproul. And he says, wait a minute. He says, he's a theologian. I mean, he's a guy who has time to study and he sits in his ivory tower and he has no understanding of what real life is. Now, I got news for you. The majority of Christians I know feel the same way about theology. They believe that it is for these people who have all of this extra time to just read the Bible. And they don't have any idea what it means to get up and 8 to 5, Monday through Friday and some overtime and deal with sick kids and this is happening and my mother-in-law is doing this and this is... They don't understand what's going on around. And they live in an ivory tower. Let me tell you something. Your inner man is directly proportionate to your theology. I see people doing things, the do's and the don'ts. Honor your parents. Treat your slaves well. Love your wife. Love your husband. Provide. Tithe. This, that, and the other. Fill in all the blanks. And they have no idea why. They don't know why. Why do I do that? We have all the cliches. Can you outgive Jesus? We've got them all. We understand how they all work. But I tell you what, if you've cut off the refreshment and the renewal by grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit, 
you will not experience what Paul experienced, nor will you understand what Paul understood, that the outer man is in decline and the inner man is growing stronger. This part of Ephesians, Paul is saying, I pray that you are strengthened with His Spirit, with might in the inner man, that you may know intellectually, but do you know by experience? That's the difference. Uh, Do you allow the Spirit of God to do that refreshing, to do that regenerating, to do that renewing ministry in your inner man day after day? Listen, I hate to break the news to you. The inner man must be strong. Must It's non-negotiable. Why? How will you fight the world? How will you fight the devil? Better yet, how will you fight your own flesh? The inner man must be strong. Or you'll never overcome. You'll never overcome you. You'll never overcome the world. And you'll never overcome our adversary. I've been dealing with this in Sunday school. I'll touch on it again. Romans chapter 7, verse 22 I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other, my flesh, the law of sin. See, Paul understood, understood completely this struggle that is there. And listen, you can be the best person ever at Bible trivia. But it ain't over going to overcome your flesh. It takes the theology and the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat the flesh. Wretched man that I am. Why? He understood, even as a believer, there was a weakness in the inner man. Now, I'm talking about saved people. The inner man has the right desires, doesn't it? When you're a Christian, you have the right desires, right? But you know what? (laughs) The outer man just messes with it. You can have the right desire, and it's just like the illustration I gave you. You can smack your thumb with a hammer. And the outer man says, see, you ain't so spiritual. (laughs) No, but I'm a bad aim. (laughs) Okay. See, Romans 8 is basically the inner man is holy. 
The inner man is set apart. You cannot experience that inner strength. What he says in Ephesians, in the Greek, is that you are powered with power. Okay? You, you are, you are dynamited with dynamite. You are strong with strength. And that's what Paul is praying for believers. You'll never know that on your own. Never know it. You know why? You'll never be able to stand in your own strength. If you could stand in your own strength, let me ask you a question. Why did he die for you? And yet, you know what? How many Christians are out there right now thinking that they're standing in their own strength? And you can tell them they're the miserable ones. Only through allowing the Spirit of God to do His renewing work, allow God's Spirit to strengthen you, can this happen. This is what Paul's praying. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? We should be praying this first and foremost for ourselves. But then we should be praying it for every believer we know. You know, have you ever heard this? Lord, if it be your will, then fill in the blank. Guess what? This is his will. That you be strengthened with power in the inner man. That's his will. So if I pray anything in his will, what happens? Wow. The Spirit of the Lord wants to strengthen you. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Okay, there's the qualifier. You need to have the Spirit. Which makes sense. I mean, I know there's several denominations out there right now that teach that that shows up later. He's out there. He's waiting. You've got to do some X, Y's, and Z's. And then all of a sudden you'll get the Spirit. And you'll get Spirit-filled and you'll act silly. That's the way I see it. If we possess the Spirit, Jesus said... You will receive power after the Spirit has come upon you in the book of Acts. Listen, what we've been looking at in this letter is that the power is there. The Spirit is there. Then the question that I have to ask as a brother in Christ, are you going to use the resources? The power that spoke existence into being is there in the person of the Holy Spirit in every believer. Am I willing to turn the key on? Of course, the next thing that everybody will ask is, how do you turn the key on? I mean, you know. Do we even have a key? Where's the key? Is it, maybe it's just a push button thing or I need a key fob thing. No. No, you don't. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. 
Gosh, that just seems so simple, doesn't it? Well, we'll just close up the message now and we're all out of here, right? Well, not really. The Greek phrase that you see there, walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the flesh. It really is daily conduct. Okay? So what he's saying is, to the Galatians, to you and me, conduct your daily life in the power of the Spirit of the living God. You know what that is? Yielded to. Okay? The word walk is that it... Have you ever seen little babies when they get going? They they crawl, or well, they roll over, then they crawl, and then they move alongside the furniture, and then they... You know, they get up and they get moving. And then, like if you have my grandson, then go straight to running. <laughs> they just say, That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm just, why waste time walking? Okay. But it is, is a process of learning it. Okay. But then when you think about it right now, when you start walking, do you think about it? Okay, I'm going to take this right leg, I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to put my heel down, I'm going to roll that foot forward, and then I'm going to spring off of those toes in the back, and I'm going to pick that leg up, and I'm going to move it over here, and I'm going to do... You don't think about that, do you? Well, if you do, let's talk afterwards. <laughs> so, I only do that when I'm on ice. <laughs> Ooh, this ain't working. Okay? Conduct your life, conscience, of the presence of the Spirit of God. That's spirit-controlled. That's spirit-filled. My conscience is remembering Him always. Every step I take, I'm conscious of the Spirit of God. That is what it means to walk in the Spirit. Every step taken. Every step taken in the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? No problem. Okay. Let's try this one. 5.18 of Ephesians. 5.18. Do not get drunk on with wine, for it is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Now, I've heard a lot of things about this. There's actually a guy who's got a ministry out there. He calls himself the Holy Spirit bartender. He tries to get you drunk on the Spirit, which is sick. Okay? To be filled with the Spirit, he gives you a contrast. If you're drunk on wine, what is your influence? Be filled with the Spirit, what is your influence? So what are you going to be conscious of? Okay, the actual phrasing in the Greek, being kept filled in the Spirit. So it's a constant thing. It's a constant thing. Constantly filled with the energy and the power of the Spirit of the living God. Constantly aware of Him. Right? 
No, you will never be able to do this unless the Spirit is in your conscious mind. Can't do it. And one of the things that is sad to see these days, I spoke about it a little bit in the mysticism that has come into the church. <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to blurt it out. The Holy Spirit is getting blamed for things He don't do. I don't have any other way to say it. I mean, I see people doing some strange things and saying it's the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not the Holy Spirit that I know. And, and, it's, and it's a tragedy. Because being kept filled is a constant thing. And you can't do that unless your mind is conscious of Him and you need to know who He is and what He does. Listen, take all of the attributes you've ever understood about the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the Holy Spirit. They're one and the same. Living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, filled in the Spirit. I must be conscious of the Spirit. Okay? And not the one that I make up. Listen, every one of us, all your day is, is decisions. Okay? That's all your life is. You're just making decisions. What time am I going to get up? What am I going to wear? Am I going to take a shower? Am I going to do some work? Then take a shower. Am I going to brush my teeth? Then eat breakfast? Or am I going to eat breakfast and then brush my teeth? And then what kind of socks am I going to wear? Or today it's maybe warm. I'll go with flip-flops. That's all your day is. It's just making decisions. Okay? The simplicity of walking in the Spirit is yielding all of those decisions to the Spirit. And you know what? I have shared this with people, people that you know. And when I tell them those things, you know what their response to me is? That's crazy. In order to do that, you would have to be thinking about the Holy Spirit all of the time. And I smile at him, my big effervescent smile. Exactly. I remember years ago when I was going through the book of Matthew, I found myself in the Mishnah and the Talmud. Those are the Pharisaical writings at the time of Christ, or a lot of them are. And I remember different authors dealing with the holiness of God. And I, I remember reading these things, and I would literally have to set it down and take a breath. Because it was stunning. I mean, they had a grasp 
on the holiness of God that I would give anything if the true church would get a hold of. Because it's just mind-boggling what they, what they wrote down on this. And yet, they had an expression about Pharisees. They called them the bruised and the bleeding. You know why? (laughs) If they were out in public, they would either shut their eyes or hold their head down in case they would see a woman. And they were constantly running into walls and pillars because they weren't paying attention where they were going, but they were afraid that if they saw a woman, that they would be stirred, and therefore, I will keep from being stirred. You understand the holiness of God to a degree that I have never read before in my life, and you think you got to walk around blindfolded? But you know what? How many in the church are doing that right now? If you are going to be controlled by the Spirit, you must be conscious of the Spirit. Do you understand that? Remember what I read, 518? Be filled with the Spirit. Okay, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, it's not that complicated. Start filling your mind with the Word of God. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. You might want to write this one down. Keep it somewhere that you can get a hold of it pretty quick. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ richly dwell you. Allow the Word of God to absorb you. Listen. David said, I hide your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Why? Because if I hide my, your Word in my conscience then what am I conscious of? God. The Pharisees understood the holiness of God and couldn't figure out how to make it work. I walk around with my eyes shut. As we hide the Word in our souls, it begins to take control of your thinking processes. Okay? As it controls the thinking process, then the Spirit of God brings it to mind instantaneously at the point of each decision. It's, I don't know how many of you can drive a clutch. But I know that if you ever driven a clutch or if you know how, maybe these days, I don't know if anybody knows how to drive a clutch, some of the older guys. But if you remember the first time you drove a clutch, oh my God, 
Okay, because the first place you stopped was on a hill. <laughs> and, you, and you knew you were going to roll all the way back to the next county. Or burn up the clutch or burn up the tires. Whatever. I remember the first one I did, I drove a Fairlane 500 with a 390 V8 in it. And we came out of this carry out and it was on a hill like this. <laughs> I tell you what, I've burned more rubber than I ever have in my entire life. I had clouds of smoke coming off of those tires, but it was all right. It wasn't my car. So you go buy the tires. I mean, I lit her up, buddy, but I didn't stall it. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> everybody thought I was a, a drag racing or something. But you think about it now. I drive a clutch. I don't even think about it. I, I, it's not even... Actually, I, <laughs> I got my little truck. I drive it all the time. Or my motorcycles. I drive them all the time. I got in that stinking... Uh, one ton, it's automatic. I'm sitting and they're trying to, <laughs> to shift it. And then, you know, every once in a while you slide over, hit the brake and do one of these. Okay? But it's, it becomes second nature to you. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Let the Word of God richly dwell in you and it becomes second nature to you. And it becomes your conscience. What you start making your decisions. As we hide it, he takes over our thinking processes. It's like the child when a child learns to walk. They're not very good at the beginning, but as it grows, you become more and more aware of what the heck you're doing and why. And the decisions you start making are in the will of God always. As I yield to that one step at a time, you strengthening your spiritual muscles. I remember uh doctor said I had to start doing this working out thing. So I got me a nutritionist and I had to do cardiovascular. I remember I got on a stationary bicycle. Man, I tell you what, I had sweat coming off of me. I was dying. And I was just, I, oh, and you can adjust the thing. So can you make it go downhill? Can you make it, I need it to go downhill. And so you just, you just, I don't, and I remember about the first month or two of me doing that, I, I just kept sitting there going, this is ridiculous. Okay. I mean, you know, I remember one time, 22 minutes. I was on this silly thing, and I had like two and a half miles. And I was like, that's why God created motors. Okay? I rode five times last week, 22 minutes, I'm a little over 10 miles every time. But I couldn't do that when I started. When I first started, they got this bench press machine thing, and I thought, yeah, I'm not. I can do this. I got up there about 90 pounds, man. That's like, <laughs> good Lord. Because <laughs> I remember this trainer come by. What's the matter? I said, this thing's heavy. <laughs> so that's when I started. Okay. Right now I'm doing 205 uh, 60 times. Okay. But I couldn't do that when I started. 
Okay, you're not going to get out and celebrate Jesus Christ and not have any idea who He is or what His Spirit is doing. You exercise the muscles, they will get stronger. Everything you yield to the Holy Spirit will exercise your spiritual inner man. And He will become stronger and stronger. And He'll move from that spiritual infant. He'll move from that spiritual young man. And then He'll be a spiritual father. And all of a sudden you'll start realizing something that we all struggle with. We all have patience. Why? Because I'm yielded to the Spirit. Why? I know I can't change a thing. So I have patience. Okay? I, I deal with a lot of you people, and a lot of you struggle with patience, which means that you're either a spiritual young man, or you just haven't got, you need to bench press a little more, maybe. Or get on the bicycle, pedal harder. But one of the things that I, listen, I know who I am. I know that when, in my before Christ, there was no, I didn't even know what patience was the first letter, let alone to do it. But now, you know, I just look at it and people say, well, you just don't. No, I do. But I also know that the spirit is the one that's doing it. I ain't got any, I don't bring nothing to it. That's how you start moving from the spiritual infant to a spiritual young man to a spiritual father. You exercise that muscle. And you know what? Back to the word patience. You get a little stronger and a little stronger in the inner man. You don't wake up Superman. It takes time. And I don't care how long you've been with Christ. But until you are start letting the Word dwell richly in you, you start understanding the Holy Spirit, you are start understanding His will, and you start understanding yielded to Him. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we quote that all the time. Especially if you're dealing with somebody who's having problems. Ah, you can do all things through Christ. But you don't do it. Why? Because you're here to help Him. And I, I would just say, get out of the way. Let Him do it. But you must yield to His Spirit. Because you can't do it apart from the Spirit of the living God. Can't do it. Paul, back in our text in Ephesians, is praying that our inner man would grow strong. He's given us theology. I want you, and then in the chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I pray that you understand this. And then he prays how it fleshes itself out. And now he says, I pray that you'll be strengthened in the inner man. And he's praying that you will grow strong. And as we yield to the Spirit, you will never do that until you are in the Word of God. Listen, all believers receive the Spirit, right? Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, We are all made to drink of one Spirit. Why are so many just sipping? Why aren't they drinking? And you, you, 
The reason that I know that is that so many are functioning in the flesh. They're like Paul in chapter 7 of Romans. I really want to do this for Jesus. But my flesh keeps getting in the way. If you want to drink of the Spirit, you personally must be in a systematic study of Scripture. Personally. You don't... You don't need your husband to help you. You don't need your wife to help you. You don't need your brother to help you. You don't need your cousin to help you. You know, and you come to church and that's fine. That's great. But you need to be looking at Scripture yourself daily, systematically. Not this stuff, flip the Bible open to a, wherever it lands and, oh, look at there. There's what that is. No, you need to be studying. I remember that I set out years ago, why were these books written? Why are there four Gospels? Then you just go through. Why was the book of Acts written? It's all in there. They'll tell you why. But you do have to read them. Go through each of the letters. Why are these epistles written? What were they written for? Why? What is he dealing with here? That's systematic study of the Scriptures. Listen, I watch people nowadays, I'd have never dreamed it, but they're all into this uh, taking care of themselves. Uh, you know, I go to the gym and they've got a bunch of, uh, what do they call them, Co- competitive bodybuilders there. And what them people put themselves through, I know emphatically, it's not worth it. But anyway, um, but, but I, but I watch it. They all got these shakes and, and protein this and, and there's like even a guy comes in with the eggs, raw eggs. Looks like a bucket of snot. But anyway, and, and you just, amen. <laughs> I want mine over easy. <laughs> but, but, but it just, you, you just sit there and you, and you look at it and they say, well, you know, you've got to keep this up and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And I think, what happens if you miss your protein drink? Are you going to fall over? Not going to be able to function? What if you miss time in the Word of God? You'll be chasing one of them raw egg shakes. Ugh. Okay? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Man does not live by bread alone. Every Word of God. Okay, now then, I'm going to close this message up. I prayed that God would have exactly who needed to be here today. And so he's done it. Right? I don't want you to do it today. I want you to start tomorrow. Okay? I want you to make a list of the time that you spend on the outer man. Take a shower, brushing your teeth. What are you going to eat? When are you going to eat? What are you going to eat? Okay, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? How are you going to get there? How much time have I got at work? How much time? But you spend your day taking care of the outer man. I want you to make a list. Just okay. I just it took me twenty minutes to take a shower. Uh, it took me you know so much time to get my clothes together. Uh, it took me. 
It ain't never taken me time to get my clothes together. But anyway, uh, you know what I'm trying to get at. This is what I do to take care of the inner man. You know, um, I trim up my beard on Sunday morning. I don't, I don't do it all week long because, just cause. That's <laughs> just too much work. Okay? But the, the time that you spend, alright? I want you to make a list of that. Okay? After you're done with Monday, on Tuesday, see if you can spend the same amount of time on the inner man. Okay? Equal amount of time in the Word, sprinkled with some talking to God about what He says in His Word. The amount of time you spend on the outer man. On Tuesday, see if you can do the same amount of time on the inner man. In his word and talking to him about what he said in his word. You know what? I guarantee it to change you. Guarantee it to change you. So let's pray. Father, I come before you, the author and the finisher of the faith, but Father, the author and the finisher of creation. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you have shown me as I have just gone back over and over and over and over in this text. Father, I stand in awe. Father, I pray that through my feebleness these precious people have heard that Father, that they are stirred and they are excited. And they will take the focus off the outer man, knowing that it's declining, and put the focus on the inner man, knowing that it's growing. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Christ's name, amen.